to the path of Terrell, who's always had space in the midfield. Tamori making an exceptional run, but it's Irvine carrying it in and putting a third goal on the scoreboard for the Tigers. The man from down under has come up with the goods. It's now Hull City 3, Brentford 1. Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Tigers Down Under. I'm your host, as always, Alex, and with me I have the man from Down Under, Jackson Irvine. Welcome to the uh, to the podcast. Thanks very much for having me. Uh, first of all, congratulations on scoring your first goal for City. It's a uh, pretty perfect timing, scoring on the weekend and getting the winner against Brentford. Uh, it's a great uh, great feeling to be off the mark, I assume, for yourself and then also for the team to get back to winning ways. Yeah, of course, from a personal point of view, it's always a relief to get your first goal, but for it to come in the manner in which it did, just you know, score the winner in a, in, in a game at home is even more pleasing. But, of course, yeah, the most important thing was getting the three points that we'd, we'd been so close to getting in recent weeks but just failed to to grab. And, of course, in the, in the new manager's first game as well, it just uh, lifted everybody. And, yeah, the vibe around the place has definitely uh, you know improved. Well, I was going to ask you about that with uh, Nigel Adkins stepping in, uh, with Slutsky stepping aside, much the same way as with the Socceroos, which which I'll um, ask you about in a second. But um, what have you made of Nigel's start at the club and also uh, Leonard's departure? It's obviously been quite a challenging time for the players. Yeah, with Leonid, obviously, um, we were all disappointed to see him go. Um, he was a lovely man and as you say, for myself, from a personal point of view, he was the, you know, he was the one that kind of pursued me to come here and, you know, signed me and saw me as part of his, part of his plans. And, um, you know, it's always, you know, sad to see someone who gives you that opportunity lose their job, and more well, sad to see anybody lose their job. But um, especially when we felt the margins were so fine, you know, we were four or five minutes away from winning or, you know, taking points in a lot of the games, and you know, it was just, you know, as I said, fine margins that were costing us and. You know, obviously, unfortunate for him that, that it cost him his job. But since uh, the new managers come in, um, you know, as you say, we've only worked with him for a few days uh, since he you know, came in two days for the Brentford game. And he didn't really want to overload us with information and, and you know, can, you know, just try and throw everything we'd been doing out the window, and uh, which would obviously just send everyone into a bit of confusion. So yeah. it was just about getting a few little points across, keeping us organised and, and, you know, we've spent uh, a few days this week really starting to, you know, dive into to his, you know, the, the things he demands from his players, which is, you know, a lot more discipline and organisation and defence. Because, you know, as we've shown, we've got no problem scoring goals. It's just uh, conceding that seems to be the problem. So, yeah, looking forward to getting, you know, getting to, to know the new manager and, and, and trying to adapt into his, into his uh, philosophies. Yeah, you've touched on there that we, we have no issues scoring goals and it's pretty incredible that at home, I think, we've actually scored four more than the next best team at home, which I think is Wolves, uh, which is an incredible mm. statistic. And then it's really just, as you say, those goals that we're conceding. It, I, I guess it must be hard to put your finger on what the issue is, but is there any sort of sense amongst the players what the issue is with those uh, conceding late goals? Because it just seems to happen time and time again. Yeah, as you say, um, you know, we've scored the second most goals in the league and conceded the second most as well, I think, yeah. which is a pretty crazy, pretty crazy statistic. And Thanks for entertaining our game, our, our games, yeah, I was about to say, our games are exciting for the neutral, I imagine, but it must be torture for our fans. So we need, you know, it's something we need to address. And, you know, we've looked at a number of different points. I don't think there's any one, you know, individual um, problem that is leading to the us losing these goals. It's a combination of mentality, 
you know, tactics, fitness maybe. There's a lot of different things that can um, that can lead to losing late goals. And we've just tried to brush up on all these little things. And I think it's those one percenters, those, uh, you know, that moving that extra five yards and, you know, maybe getting that extra little bit more fitness into us and concentration. And I think those tiny little things that we can kind of do on the training pitch will, will, will lead to those goals stopping. So, you know, hopefully over the next few weeks, we can start to see that, uh, you know, come into effect. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, and then changing track slightly, massive congratulations on a, an international front as well with World, World Cup qualification. Uh, does it feel a little bit more real now, especially with the, the, the um, groups being drawn a couple of, a week or so ago? Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. The, the the night in Sydney against Honduras, um, you know, we kind of all, I think that's when, you know, I think it, it's kind of strange that we all had these little individual points along the qualification route where it started to kind of, it just slowly starts to sink in more and more. And um, I think when uh, we lost away in Japan, when they sealed their qualification, that was one of the first times that really hurt. Like, yeah, you know, with players, we were all absolutely devastated and. Um, you know, that's when you start to realize that it might have been slipping away from us at that point. But we still believe that we, we had enough to, to get through the, you know, into that second place at the time or or through the playoffs. And then obviously the Thailand game, 40 something shots, I think, oh, hit the post three, yeah. hit, the, hit, hit the post three times. I don't know. Just one of the, you know, their defender makes two or three goal line saves. It's one of those. And that was one of those nights again where it just didn't go for us. And and then we had to just knuckle down and, and understand that it's going to be four, you know, pretty massive efforts to, to get us through the playoffs. And, you know, we relied on a bit of magic from Timmy in, in Sydney against Syria. And and then coming into the Honduras game, I think it was probably two of our most comfortable performances throughout the whole process, believe it or not. I, I believe away in Honduras, we, we were complete domination of the game. Uh, we had three or four great opportunities the conditions didn't help the pitch was terrible but you know we, we would have liked to have won the game but it put us in a good position for the home leg and then you know that in the home game I didn't think they really caused us any problems until the last couple of minutes when it was you know the game was kind of done and dusted and and then you just kind of have this yeah that that kind of overwhelming emotion <laughs> where you kind of realize that it's all come to an end you know the most miles ever traveled by a team the most games ever played to qualify uh it was an incredible journey for everyone and I think that's what I mean when you realized how much it had taken and how yeah. hard the road had been to get there it really kind of sunk in with everyone and yeah we had it we had an amazing night um celebrating the qualification I can imagine yeah and, and I'm sure everyone's seen by now uh those photos that you put up comparing yourself in 2005 uh in the stands watching the game against Uruguay and then being pitch side uh for the game against Honduras I, mean, I was in the stand for the Honduras game and the atmosphere was electric from where I was sitting, but I can only imagine what it would have felt like on the pitch. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, with those photos, it was. Uh, it's as I was saying. You know, I was trying to trying to describe there the kind of feelings you have going through the the process of of qualification and everything, and being involved in in you know a playoff system and just generally being involved with your national team. And I think that's why you know I shared those photos because I think maybe sometimes it's easier for people to visualize you know how much it means to people in terms of you can see um you know the kind of it's i think sometimes footballers can get a little bit dehumanized i suppose yeah. about by like you know people think that maybe we don't care as much as 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 you know as the as the fans do but i think when they see something like that it makes them maybe realize 
but we were all kind of those fans at one point and it means just as much you know if not more to us now than it did before and yeah, it was incredible to have been there in 05 against Uruguay. But yeah, again, it's just absolutely surreal to have been on the other side of the fence and and uh, you know be a part of the team and you know be in the dressing room with the players and you know as you say, played a number of games throughout the qualification process. It was just yeah, absolutely surreal. And I guess, as you say, with uh, supporters sometimes not realising the emotions for the players, also in terms of the coach, because Ange uh, has ended up standing aside after the qualification um, progression, and it does seem as if, to an extent, a lot of that's to do with the emotional toll it's taken on him. Um, As a playing group, Mm -hmm. did you guys uh, have any sense that, that he was planning to step aside, or was it a bit of a shock for you guys as well? Uh, yeah, we were all shocked, and yeah, we were all obviously very disappointed. Um, you know, we'd built, um, you know, all together with you know the kind of core of players that we'd had for the last eighteen months, and in with the manager, we'd really, you know, obviously started to build something um, really positive. But of course, you know, um, you know the fa- his family side of it and all the yeah. personal stuff that goes along with it is always going to be the most important thing. So, you know, obviously we were disappointed to see him go, but obviously it understand why he made the decision and obviously grateful for everything he did for us during the time and we wish him all the best but yeah we were very disappointed to see him go but now we have to you know obviously uh, try and stay focused and 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 try and as you say it's going to be depend on the new coach and we might have to maybe adapt and and make a few changes over the over the coming months and into into the world cup so uh yeah it's going to be an interesting time for all the players and australian football in general but um you know we're very interested to see where it's going to go and this might be a little bit of a tricky question for for you to answer but do you have any preference for the uh nationality of the manager coming in for australia whether it's a a local manager in australia or or whether they go uh you know for instance if it's a local manager might know the a-league a little bit better and be able to best utilize it or do we go Mm. an international manager who might have a better sense of how to set us up at the world cup yeah, I think it. I think it needs to come down to a decision. Is it going to be a short-term manager to get us through, um, you know, the next few months leading into the World Cup, or is it going to be um, like it was with Ange, another long-term appointment where you're looking to build something over a num- over a number of years? Because I think that will play a huge part in in the um, you know who they picked it to be the next manager. But I think in terms of the short term, going into a major tournament, I don't think nationalities is important as. Sure qualifications as you know somebody that understands big tournaments can understands australian players and has a you know a knowledge of of, of what we're trying to do and and a, i think even more importantly knowledge of the way we've been playing over the last few years because um you know we've definitely you know obviously we've, we adapted with the three at the back but the the philosophy of playing out from the back all the time and and trying to play that uh, passing football and through the lines i think we need to keep stay with somebody that's going to recognize the way we've been playing and maybe not just change that completely in you know such a short space of time so it'll be interesting to see but I think in terms of nationality at this point I don't think is the most important I think it's definitely whoever's going to be the most qualified and and uh, you know is going to give us a chance to get out of the group which obviously we haven't done for for since 2006. Yeah, and I do think that that's the major concern from a lot of supporters that I've spoken to, where it is that uh, hope that now that we've sort of settled on this style, three at the back, passing sort of possession style, uh, that we don't then move to a manager who just sort of rips that all apart and, and starts again. Yep. So uh, fingers crossed on that front. Um, 
I wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, when you first came to the championship with uh, Burton Albion. And funnily enough, I, I was having a look at the numbers, and I'm, I'm pretty sure Burton were actually on the same amount of points this time last season as City are this season. Uh, but it would have obviously been a very different uh, mood around the club at Burton, um, where no disrespect to them, it would have been more of a focus on staying up. Um, how, how, did you, how have you sort of compared the emotion of the two uh, starts of the seasons for Burton and now for City? Yeah, it's as you say, it's interesting to hear that that we're on the same amount of points, considering, um, you know, as you say, the the kind of disappointment we'd have over the last few weeks. Obviously, this week's been a bit different, but uh, whereas at Burton we were absolutely delighted with the start we'd made, and we saw it as an absolute positive. You know, we were we were absolute odds-on favourite to finish bottom of the league, and um, you know we were just out to surprise everybody last season. So. Um, you know, any it was almost like anything we achieved last year was going to be a bonus. Um, whereas this year, coming with a weight of expectation of being a bigger club, having high quality players, you know, the expectation is is so much higher, and uh, you know, you're almost expected to win every game, which is you know justified when you see the some of the individuals that we have. So yeah, it's 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 interesting to be a part of that, and I think that's one of the main reasons I wanted to make a move because I've been kind of living that underdog story for a number of years now with Ross County and Burton and um, you know I really wanted to to go to a club with with expectations for you know play realistically play off some promotion you know this season is gonna we're gonna have to put an amazing run together to, to achieve that but in the long term you know that's where the club wants to be back in the in the top division and you know that's where that's the as I was saying that expectation and that um, yeah the everyone knows that that's where we belong so that's what we need to try and achieve. And when you joined Burden uh, from Ross County, you were, I believe, their record signing at the time. Um, it sounds as if mm-hmm. you're, you're the sort of person that sort of thrives under that pressure scenario. H- how was that for you, uh, being that sort of uh, price tag on your head? Yeah, it was interesting. It was obviously, um, I'd, I'd never experienced anything like that before, especially coming into to a league like this. I know in comparison to the record transfers of every other club, I think it's, beyond minuscule but you know as you say in terms of in terms of Burton and the fans and the club you know to have spent um you know I think I was only the second one of I think I was only the second or third player that ever even bought in the club's history you know which shows the level that the club um was at last year and I suppose kind of highlights how big achievement it was uh, to stay in the division and and in the manner in which we did it as well so uh yeah it was um it came with a pressure, but the players uh, helped me settle extremely quickly. The fans were great with me as well, and you know, obviously, uh, very thankful for the club for giving me my opportunity to to kind of establish myself in English football. And when you made the move initially to Scotland, uh, it would have been a very big sort of change of scenery coming across from Australia. Um, how how was that uh, transition for you? Perhaps in terms of just the climate, or in terms of expectations and pressure. Was it was it something that you struggled with initially, or sort of just took to like a, a fish to water? Uh, yeah, see, all that stuff kind of came easily. The the football side of it, you just you know, going into full time football at sixteen, seventeen is, um, you know, it's difficult for everybody. You, you're not used to that kind of training load of training every day, and obviously we're talking about the weather and these kind of things that that came along with it. But you kind of take that in your stride at that age. It was really the the kind of homesickness and being away from my family and everything. That was the stuff, especially in my first year or so, that I found really tough. And um, but that's, um, as you say, only natural moving to the other side of the world and and being away from home for the first time. But um, but yeah, you know, obviously that stuff kind of definitely makes you stronger. And 
uh, you know, had to, you know, deal with some, you know, as you say, poor conditions and everything. And, uh, but, you know, I was fortunate enough to be at a, one of the biggest clubs in the world. And, uh, you know, I, I loved every second of my, of my time at Celtic, even though, you know, as you say, there was always going to be hard times, but, um, but yeah, no, it's, it was definitely being away from home. That was, that was the toughest part of, of the move to Scotland. Uh, and you've mentioned as well the fact that there's that sort of sense of expectation at City, uh, that sort of uh, pressure to perform and, and go out and sort of win every game. Um, I saw an interview with Fraser Campbell recently where he was sort of comparing the two spells he's had at the club from our first promotion season to now. And he did touch on, uh, I guess, the, the noise in the stands and that sort of thing. Does any of that sort of off-field uh, drama affect the way that you play or are you able to, when you go out on the field, to sort of shut that all out and, and focus on the job? Yeah, when you cross the line, you, that kind of stuff all vanishes out of your mind, and um, it just you know you just kind of uh, settle into the game in the in the way it is, and um, you know obviously it's not ideal to to have these kinds of things going on off the pitch, but as you say, once once the players are out there, there's you know that's entirely out of your control. The only thing that you can control is is your part in the game. So uh, you know that's all everyone's focused on once we're out there. And we've um, certainly got a couple of tough games coming up. First of all, against Cardiff, I think, this weekend. 4.30 hour time, which is going to be a, a bit of a challenge to stay up for, but televised, which, yeah. which always helps. Uh, and then I think on the 23rd over there, the morning of Boxing Day here, we've got Leeds as well. So Cardiff mm-hmm. sitting pretty well on the table. I think they're second at the moment, and then Leeds also having a second, pretty good yeah. season. Yeah, yeah very tough. Uh, two away games and... Against two of the, you know, kind of informed sides in the league. So, yeah, very difficult. Um, Cardiff uh, having a great run of form and you can, uh, as as their position in the table is reflected. So we know it's going to be tough, but, you know, every game in this league is presented its own set of challenges and uh, you just need to prepare yourself as best you can. We'll get the information on on, on both teams before we play them and, and try and kind of paint a picture of the, what they're going to do in your head. But we need to focus on, on our own game and, you know, and keep being a threat going forward and, and, and obviously focus on, on that defensive side of it, which is which is going to make the difference. Uh, well, best of luck in both of those games. It's it's going to be um, hopefully the start of a really good run of form for us now with that win against Brentford. And, and of course, for yourself personally, getting off the mark with that goal. Uh, and hopefully uh, your run in the side continues on through the rest of the season and in, into a really successful World Cup campaign. So thank you for joining me, Jackson. Thanks very much for having me. Cheers. Noise levels rise in expectation. Choice with the outswinger, and it's gone in. Jackson Irvine. He nearly scored in Tehran. He has scored in Sydney. The first international goal for the young midfielder. What a start for Ange Postecoglou's team. That will steady the nerves.